Hello, everyone. Welcome to you, me, them, everybody. My name is Brandon Weatherby. Jack Inslee and I continue our sports documentary, Jersey, with Sonic's Gate, a film that you could watch on YouTube or in the podcast description. It's all about the Seattle Supersonics um, being moved to Oklahoma City to become the Oklahoma City Thunder. It's a propaganda film. That's perfectly fine. Uh, there's a preface in the film that says it's a propaganda film. Most everything is propaganda. This show is propaganda. What's it propaganda for? Our Patreon account, which you could donate to at you, me, them, everybody.com. Similar to the Seattle Supersonics. Um, I've also had a nearly four decade long career that's been uh, ruined by a bunch of businessmen uh, that just wants to make everything look like middle America. And I don't know if you guys know this, but um, middle America isn't doing so great right now. We have a Patreon account. You could donate at youmethemeverybody.com. If you're listening to this on Spotify, uh, we make zero cents from that. Uh, Not that we make anything from iTunes or anything else. I'm just letting you know. Go to the podcast description, youmethemeverybody.com. That's also where you can watch this film it's if you don't know the story, I think it's worth watching. I am a fan of Seattle as a city. I used to be a fan of Seattle Supersonics. This doesn't come up in the podcast, but uh, my greatest experience ever caddying, I was a caddy for a lot of years, was I caddied for the president of the Seattle Supersonics. Um, I guess I caddied for Howard Schultz in 96 when they were playing the Chicago Bulls in the NBA Finals. And uh, they were golfing at a golf course in Oak Brook, Illinois. It was him and a uh, head of Adidas or something like that. The nicest people I ever caddied for, and they gave me the biggest tip I ever received as a caddy. So I'm always going to be a fan of the Seattle Supersonics. I'm probably never going to be a fan of Oklahoma City Thunders, at least their ownership. I like Kevin Durant. I want to make this very clear before we begin. I am a fan of Kevin Durant. Here's the show. Why did you want to watch Sonic's Gate? (laughs) I didn't really know the full story. Mm -hmm. Um, And I mean, anytime a doc is only available on YouTube and says director's cut, you know, I I knew it was in shaky territory in terms of the production of this. But um, yeah, I... I didn't really follow it that closely when it was happening. Um, the you know the move of the NBA franchise from Seattle to Oklahoma City. I remember being like kind of sad about it, sad for fans, but I just didn't really know the specifics of why it was happening. Mm-hmm. Um, so to that end, I thought this doc did answer a lot of questions. Oh yeah, me. I'm glad I watched it. Um, I don't really want to talk about it as a film because. This is a piece of propaganda. Uh, This is made by people that never wanted the Sonics to leave that want the Sonics to come back or another NBA franchise to go to Seattle. So I'm okay with that. Yes. Yes. Very upfront about it. I mean, like you said, there's a preface of the entire film. Like this is about preserving the history of the Seattle Supersonics and save our Sonics, et cetera. Yes. And the, uh, the production kind of is, (laughs) it's, it's, so, somewhat like a conspiracy theory movie on YouTube. I mean, yeah, we don't even need to talk about that. But um, but they did get really good sources, and it's actually better sourced than a lot of these sports documentaries that we've been watching. It's way better sourced than the um, the Sammy Sosa, Mark McGuire doc, the recent 30 for 30. It's better sourced than um, the Metal World Peace doc. It's like they get a lot of people on camera. Absolutely. Attorneys and officials. Yeah, no question. Journalists that Mm -hmm. had reported on it at the time, for sure. 
this is maybe the perfect time to have watched this documentary other than when the Nets moved from Jersey to Brooklyn. Um, but that's not that big of a deal compared to the Sonics moving to Oklahoma City. This is a documentary that raises quite a few questions and um, I don't think there's a clear answer for any of them. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. And this global pandemic is doing the exact same thing. Mm-hmm. So last season, I don't know if you remember, the biggest story of the NBA Finals wasn't even the Raptors versus the Warriors. It was where will Leonard sign once the finals are over? And then once Durant got hurt, will Durant play with the Warriors again? Where will Durant go? It wasn't, isn't it cool that the Toronto Raptors are going to win their first championship? Isn't it amazing that the Warriors have gone on this run? It was all about the independent nature of the players versus um, the importance of the city, which is very, very different from this documentary. I mean, the Sonics moved a little over 10 years ago. And now, because all these players are playing in a bubble, do the cities even matter? If Kawhi Leonard knew he was going to be playing the majority of his time in Florida, would he have cared that he was going to be a Raptor or a Clipper? Would he have... Do you see what I mean? I do, and I wonder how much we overlook the frat, the, the the fraternity of players and sort of the the, the, the friendships that mm-hmm. are at play here where sometimes players want to play with certain other players. Okay, and so you're saying it's less of a geographic thing and more of a fraternity thing. I think in the case of Kawhi Leonard, it is geographic mostly, but I do think there are instances where players will will their way to a situation because, hey, if you, you know, we're going to band up together and be on this team together kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, we were talking off mic about Jimmy Butler, and when he signed to Miami, uh, once you put the pieces together, like, oh, of course you would want to play in Miami. Miami is such a great place to live. It's, you know, to pay taxes, et cetera, et cetera. It had nothing to do about the fraternity of players. It was everything to do with the setting. Now that you take this, you strip the setting away, it becomes a little bit more interesting. Would Jimmy Butler want to be in a fraternity of anyone right now? Right. That's a really good point. Um, especially now where everyone is enjoying the, the sunshine of Florida. Exactly. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I hadn't really thought about that. Let's go back to the doc. Um, do you think the Sonics should have moved? Should have? Yeah. I mean, no. Okay, but, great. Same page. I don't think okay. that's a controversial statement. Seattle is a wonderful sports town. If you've ever been there, you know that. Um, they're famous for the 12th man in, uh, in the NFL. Uh, they seem to love the Mariners. The few times I've been there, there's still a ton of Sonics gear. It's a very good sports city. That being said, do you think the Seattle taxpayer, the Seattle citizen, should have given any amount of money to build a new stadium for the Seattle Supersonics? Should any taxpayer have to subsidize? There's the any? question. Yeah, There's the I real mean, question. Yeah, so that's it's like impossible to answer that, and and that that's the framing that I think sort of I don't want to you know, tricked the Seattle citizen. Mm-hmm. And you know, there's that advocacy group. Uh, I forget what money for more important things or whatever mm-hmm. they were called yeah. in the film that are lobbying against this, and it's like sure. But where are we going to draw the line then on any development project? Because should the should the New York City taxpayer had to have subsidized the Hudson Yards project? I, you know, like the, it's where do you draw those lines? That's fair. Um, I'm 
I, I don't know the exact answer for everything. That being said, if the key arena was being used for a hockey team as well, and you have a WNBA, an NBA, and an NHL team there, it's a lot easier to convince people that this should happen. And now Seattle does have a hockey team coming in the 2021 season, which makes me think that Sonics or another Seattle NBA team will be next. And a mixed-use multi-use stadium that could be full 200 nights a year that's a lot different than something that's only used 41 with playoffs and exhibition games 55 to 60 times a year does that make sense it does but i I imagine there were concerts and events that could have taken that space but they didn't that's the thing they didn't the key arena was not taken it wasn't used the same way as say the united center or madison square garden right and that's a huge difference, and that's never brought up in the doc. And and I understand why it's not, because that's sort of finding the middle ground that was never raised, because it's a lot more difficult to recruit a brand-new sports franchise than to keep the one you're trying to save. For sure. And, you know, I think a tricky element of this is sort of the NBA's position that basketball could be played in this arena. Fans mm-hmm. could fill it, but it wasn't a big enough space to sell enough concessions to make the kind of money that would make them when David Stern says the team the team cannot be competitive in this arena he doesn't mm-hmm. he's not talking about wins and losses <laughs> yeah he's talking about in the marketplace uh with revenue by you know for standards that the NBA ha- has that exist independent of Kirina it was it's tricky but i mean he's not wrong oh he's That's wrong just really crushing he's wrong well He's not wrong. He just created the problem. <laughs> okay, so do you think this happens if Adam Silver is the commissioner and not David Stern? Oof, no. And because I think David Stern had a different kind of ruthlessness to him. Mm-hmm. And as you can see in the combative way, he was very like almost Trumpian in his dismissal of yeah. that journalist that was asking perfectly reasonable questions. Adam Silver is not that. Um and I think Adam Silver cares a lot more about the image of the league mm-hmm. and likes to project as more of a kind of like socially philanthropic, philanthropic might, might not be the right word, but like socially kind um, commissioner. So I don't think he would have been able to. I think he probably would have granted an expansion team and found a way to keep Seattle there. And Stern wanted to send a message, and that was implied in the film, and I thought oh, yeah. that's correct. That's correct. Stern wanted that power to tell other teams, hey, look, You'll get Seattled. Yeah. We did it once. Which, okay, so the thing that doesn't make any sense to me, there's only two owners that voted against the Sonics leaving, one of which was Mark Cuban, because I think Cuban gets it more than pretty much anybody else because the amount of money you're going to make with a team in Seattle for the NBA is better than the amount of money you're going to make with Oklahoma City. Take away the success rate of the team. Just take that away instantly. Just playing in that market is better than Oklahoma City. How many more people will you reach playing in Seattle versus Oklahoma City? That's a dumb, short-sighted move. Yes, you're going to make a bunch of money on jerseys for the first one or two or three years, but they're a new team and they're an exciting team. And, of course, play level matters. But once again, let's just talk about the markets. They pointed out Seattle's the ninth largest market in the U.S. Why would you want to go to something that's like barely in the top 50 market? That doesn't make any sense to me. Yes, but also... The Thunder have thrived. I mean, that, that oh, no, 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 no. Don't, like don't get me wrong. This has nothing to do. Billion. You're right. But this has nothing to do with the success of the team. 
This is everything to do with the success of the city itself. There's nothing else in Oklahoma City that people talk about other than the thunder. There's no reason to visit Oklahoma City versus Seattle. Correct, yeah. So why would you pull away from something that is a guaranteed tourist destination? It doesn't make any sense. Yeah, it didn't make sense to me why there wasn't just an expansion team and why it had to happen in this kind of weird backwards way. Exactly. And, and I do think a reasonable theory is, like I just said, that Stern wanted to send him. He had enough. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I'm, I'm going to show who's boss. I don't care how big a city is. If you don't so play dumb. by our rules and if you don't match the kind of revenue that we're looking for franchises to match to raise the you know worth of the Liga as a whole, then you're, you're out. Well, I mean, it, this raises the question, who deserves anything? Who deserves the team? Does America deserve college football in 2020? Why are we doing any of this? <laughs> that's, a big, that's a big question. That's a big question. I mean, um, do you think, somewhat related, barely, do you think there should be a college football season in 2020? No. Okay. By the time this is posted, within an hour or two, we will probably have an answer to that, and the answer is leaning towards No. Do you think there should be an NFL season? No. Why? I also didn't think there should be an NBA season. I, why? I was because why would there be? Why? Um, I, see, I understand the NBA season more than any other because the NBA season was what, like seventy-five percent done in terms of regular season. Yes. Right. So that's number one. Number two, uh, you could be in a bubble. So if you do the bubble right, it doesn't hurt anyone. So they're doing the bubble right, and it's not hurting anyone. And players can opt out if they want, which they have. So that's why I think the NBA is fine. Football teams are much larger as well. Yeah, football teams are massive. Yeah. Well, The coach of Michigan, former uh, coach of the 49ers, but the coach of Michigan, Harbaugh, Harbaugh was saying that they should have a season because they've been tested multiple times since the players have returned to campus since June. No one's got it. And that totally makes sense. But that only makes sense if you're just doing inner squad games because you have no idea if Michigan State has anyone that's tested positive or if anyone in the arena or if anyone on campus or if anyone in the hotels has it. it it's opening Pandora's box. So that's the difference between football and basketball to me. I also think that, and this was part of why I didn't necessarily support the NBA reopening. There's a messaging that happens, a normalization of like, we're good. It's okay. Oh, hold on. You've watched the games. I've watched the games. The amount of precautions they're taking, even if it's theater, is better than the majority of most cities. No question. Yes. So in the NBA's case. Yeah. yeah. So if that's the posturing, give me that posturing. You're setting a good example. Do you trust the National Football League to have the same posturing? Absolutely not. Right. (laughs) They're talking about majority of stadiums having fans inside of them. That's crazy. Yeah, but not not capacity like twenty five percent. But even so, like that's it's pointless. I mean, it's pointless in terms of safety reasons. It's you're it's a <laughs> it's just going to be a pot of virus. Correct. Okay. COVID soup. Well, this goes back to Sonic Skate. Who deserves a team? Why does Seattle deserve a team? I think they deserve a team, but I don't necessarily know if I could pontificate why I think the Seattle Supersonics or Seattle blank team should be in Seattle. They're, one of the main subject or interview subjects of the doc is this poet and author and super fan who gives what I thought was the best 
line in the film where he describes the feeling of of wanting to kind of fight for it and protest. He said, these are pitiful cries to a disinterested God. Sure. And I thought that just rings so true for so many parts of sports fandom. And to your question of who deserves anything, do the Knicks deserve a better owner? Do, you know, all of this stuff. Yes, sure. Pitiful cries to a disinterested God. The fan really does not have much control here. I'm sure that there are plenty of cities across the country that are like, why don't we have an NBA Okay, team? so let's do that. Who deserves a team? I think that my two American cities that I think should have an NBA team yesterday are Seattle and Pittsburgh. Seattle and, well, yes, Seattle. Um, yeah, both of those, both of those are correct. Um, could Nashville support an NBA team? I don't know. Maybe. No, but only because Memphis has one. And if, if it was Nashville instead of Memphis, that'd be fine. I think Kansas City. Sure. Kansas City's in the top five. Would be a really good place. Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, St. Louis should have a team too. Probably, yes. So there's four teams. You do Kansas City, Seattle for the West. You do Pittsburgh and St. Louis for the East. There you go. Done. That's our expansion. Some people might argue Vegas. Fine. Vegas could be number five. I don't care. Like, add these teams. I don't... So the reason not to add a team is because the skill level would be diluted. I don't think that's the case right now. I think that because basketball is such an international sport and because of its popularity... I think you could have really great teams. You could expand to at least four more teams without making the product bad. Which league has the most franchises? Uh, baseball, maybe. I think. I think it's. I think it's soccer. Um, which is kind of different. So here it is: the MLB is thirty, NFL thirty-two, NBA thirty. So you're proposing just going 34 and being the best at the very least it seems like the nba should be at where the nfl is oh sure why don't you just do this in in one year we're gonna have two more teams and in 10 years we're gonna have two more teams after that we're just gonna grow this thing that's what the nfl did the nfl was a very small league for a very long time and then all of a sudden there were like 20 teams and then 30 teams so there are a few cities that have franchises in both the mlb and nfl that do not have nba teams um yeah pittsburgh baltimore Mm-hmm. Well, Baltimore, you don't need it only because the bullets are, or sorry, the Wizards are right here. But why? But there's also the Washington football team and the Nationals. Yeah, but they don't also have a basketball. T- sorry, they don't have a basketball and a hockey. You need to me. You, if you have one, you should have the other. That's why Pittsburgh's at the top of my list. Now so you're more interested in the crossover between NHL and NBA. Yeah, because it's a mixed use stadium. Just do that. Okay. Well, then Buffalo. Right. Fine. That could work. Absolutely. Buffalo, Nashville has, but that's again that's football your team sp- and hockey. Team. I'm f- fine moving the Grizzlies. Sorry, yeah, I'm fine moving the Memphis team to Nashville. Mm-hmm. That's I don't think that's going to so hurt. That, that, that was the, that was the next thing I was going to bring up. There is chatter of this being Memphis's fate. Oh, of course. I mean, that's in the dock, and that sucks, and that shouldn't happen. Therefore, don't let it happen. There could still be the Cleveland Browns and the Baltimore Ravens. Like, there's no reason to do that to me. Right. So there's money to be made. That's the thing that blows my mind. 
more is why not... it seemed petty. It seemed like a petty. There was an ulterior motive there. Do you That's think why this happens? David Stern. Do you think this happens post what happened to the Clippers with Donald Sterling? Yeah, because I think the Donald Sterling thing was the first time the majority of sports fan realized how valuable these franchises are. I see what you're saying. The idea that if something in a in an organization is toxic or an ownership group is toxic, that there can be an intervention and a forced sale for the good of the league, the fans, the players, Kinda, everybody yeah. involved. Right. Well, this is what Knicks fans have been begging for and praying for. Like, there are Knicks blogs that are like, please let there be a smoking gun email where James Dolan is like racist or sexually abused. Like, please let there be something that forces the league to intervene. Yeah. Um, and it just, it won't happen. Hasn't happened. But yeah, that his Donald band Sterling isn't moment. proof enough that he's racist. <laughs> White man blues band in the, in 2020 isn't proof. Uh, well, it, at one point, the Knicks were the only professional sports franchise with a African-American president, mm-hmm. GM, and coach. And let's talk about how that worked out. Yeah. <laughs> so without context, I just sound incredibly racist, but what I'm really alluding to is incredibly sexist thing that those men did. Oh, no, you're thinking of the wrong regime. This oh, was, I'm so um, sorry. That's okay. That This was David Fisdale, Scott Perry, Steve Mills, the yes, more recent. I'm thinking of a different regime. I apologize. Yeah, no, uh, Isaiah Thomas, uh, th- th- that was another, you know, we had some hope there where yeah. it was like, ooh, 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 maybe this is like, well, not hope, that's a bad way of putting it, right? Because you don't no. want, but yeah, I mean, the case was ugly and it was like, the league should step in here. Yeah. And well, I'm legitimately didn't. looking forward to how the Knicks look with Tibbs. Sure, but they're still James Dolan's team. I know, um, but I like Thibodeau. <laughs> And I, I just I felt some empathy with these fans holding up signs that were like, Ben, it sucks. Like it's like yeah, again, to that point, like pitiful cries to a disinterested God. Man. Okay, so like, let's talk about the Oklahoma City ownership. This is another thing that I don't understand unless you're just doing it for money. The the ownership group of the Thunder slash Sonics, they seem to do this because their entire thing was like this guy loves basketball, so he's going to bring in his two richer friends to own a basketball team. Am I crazy, or is that the, the why they did what they did? The Oklahoma City? Yeah. I mean... Because this guy was like, he worked for the NBA for a lot of years. He always wanted a team. He always wanted a team in Oklahoma City. It wasn't just money, right? No, it certainly wasn't money. It great. seemed like a great, pet Great, project. Fine. That's what I was asking. Because if it's just money, then I get it. But if it's not just money and none of your values align with any of your players and the majority of your fan base, why would you want to get in business with the NBA? These guys are like pro-life conservative dudes who donate to horrible, co- to me, horrible causes, yet they're the owners of a professional basketball team. The league that's the most progressive league. Well, what is that about? I don't understand it. If it's just for money, yeah, I get it. I get it if it's just for money. But other than so that, this is just weird. A few things that happened. The the New Orleans, you know, during Katrina, playing their games in Oklahoma City. Sure. I'm. I, I would like to know more about why and how that happened, and that might speak to the relationship that was formed between David Stern, the commissioner, and then you know, the uh, ownership group or potential ownership group. And maybe there were just whispers like, hey, this is pretty good. This could work. No, no, no. Fine. Fine. That's fine. I don't, 
I don't disagree. Clearly, it works. Clearly, they're a beloved team. I don't want Oklahoma City to leave Oklahoma City. But I'm that's, not that's saying the why. That. That's the why he buys it because it's like this is a conversation he's been having. Here's a guy. No, living no, 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 no. I don't. I don't agree with it. Why? It, that's not what I'm asking. The, my question is, how do you have? This is something I'm never under, able to understand. How could you support someone that is so diametrically opposed to what you believe in? Meaning, if you're that conservative an owner, why are you buying into such a yes sport and yes world that yeah that I don't know and but, that's I mean, a huge all, question and all the time right it does should it happen all the time though no, does it happen Not all the time just sports, I don't know but in media and music think about the record label but that's the thing if you're just doing that for the perks and for the money that makes sense but these guys didn't seem to just do it for the perks and the money like there was a there was like a hometown weird reason. Where that that conservatism of Oklahoma City clashed with the liberalism of Seattle from the jump. Well, racism, conservatism, they 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 do love owning things and that's exactly. Yeah. So why uh, it's just like why doesn't my lizard brain understand that aspect of it? Yeah. How I many guys that. that are like super racist like love Bob Marley? Probably more than one. <laughs> Yes, correct. and that's the stuff. I like, how? What? I don't get it. Yeah, I, I get. I get what you're saying. How do you? How do you sleep at night with? Yeah, I, and, I get and that. And to me, it's the exact same thing when it comes to sports. I have trouble watching the Chicago Cubs because of this. Mm. I have trouble watching a lot of sports teams, and then I like I find my BS narrative that makes it okay. I mean, you know, Jim Dolan's a Trump supporter, right? Yeah. Like, how how are you? dedicating so much of your life energy and and i think that said they say that at some point in this doc where it's like owning an nba franchise is a is a, it is not easy um it's not just a passive thing you own like you know it takes a lot of energy how does someone like jim dolan reckon with his politics being so different than the league in which this exists and i mean it doesn't make any sense on many levels um, it makes more sense to me to own the new york knicks because of the the franchise and you're in the biggest basketball is it the biggest basketball market in the US or has LA taken over? Uh it's a good question. One of the top two, let's just say. You're yeah. you own something that is super duper valuable that everyone wants. I get that. Even if you don't agree with the politics of majority of players in the league, I understand that. But the Oklahoma City thing, you're it's there's none of that. There's you're not owning something cool. You're you're taking away something that people used to love. Yeah. So it's a different thing. Like, I kind of get Dolan. That makes sense to me. So this is interesting. I'm looking at the um, franchise value by team in 2020 in the NBA, and mm -hmm. the Knicks are still number one. <laughs> number one, baby. Um, Lakers, number two. Warriors, three. Bulls, four. Celtics, five. When we go to the bottom of this list, let's see if you could get who is the who is at the absolute bottom. Grizzlies. Or, Correct. sorry, Memphis. Correct. Memphis, New Orleans, Minnesota. When the Minnesota one, yeah, that all makes sense. And then Orlando, Detroit, Charlotte. That all makes sense. So what's interesting is like Minnesota is up for sale too. There has been chatter that perhaps there's an ownership group that would move Minnesota to Seattle. Yeah, Kevin Kevin Garnett is part of this potential ownership group. He's gone on record saying that's crazy. Like I. Oh, my career to the city. Well, not oh, my career, but I, you know, he loves Minnesota. He wants to keep. It's just you know, 
follow the money kind of thing, right? Like, it's just, yeah. I'm just excited that Patrick Mahomes, Super Bowl MVP, future of the NFL, huge part of the Chiefs, owns part of the Royals now. I, I'm so happy about that because great. I feel How like that's so? is, is it is it a uh, is it a Jay Z sized slice or yeah, exactly Jay Z okay because the still, NBA is moving to they're moving to stop that I don't care that's not the point the point I'm making is the idea of current players owning part of mm. a team from the city of which they reside is super appealing I'm pretty sure Aaron Rodgers owns part of the Bucks I think so as well. And if we can get some beautiful crossover, I think I was telling you this, like I want LeBron to own the Cavs while he's still Le- playing. LeBron the is worth. Yes. <laughs> yes. LeBron should own the Cavs while he's playing for the Lakers. Yeah. That's incredible. He's worth half a billion. The Cavaliers are 1.5. That's great. And the only reason why they're 1.5, the 1 billion of that 1.5 is LeBron. Right. Right. Jordan owning the Charlotte Bobcats, or is it Hornets? I don't even know. Sorry. Everything's got moved. It's the Bobcats. Makes me happy. I like that. I want player, former player-owned teams. It doesn't matter the sport you're in because they They're understand the it. I'm sorry. They are the Hornets They're now. The Hornets. So many, and I keep calling them Memphis Grizzlies. They're the Memphis Grizzlies. But I keep thinking of the Vancouver Grizzlies. Short-lived. Yeah, exactly. So my, it's... <laughs> It's super easy to keep up. I'm just not doing it. Uh, I, I, do you understand why I want that to happen? Yeah. So Garnett talking about buying the T Wolves is super exciting to me. Very exciting. Very very exciting. Um, <laughs> sorry. Go ahead. No, Michael Jordan owns 97 percent of the Hornets' equity. I did not realize that. Yeah. That's that's pretty cool. It's pretty cool, but it also just makes you realize with every year that he owns that team, his legacy is more and more tarnished. Yeah, I mean, they're not doing well financially or, you know, competitively. And have they ever done well since he's been the owner? No. Okay, there you go. But still, the idea of a player, you know, I I like moving towards this more. You know, we're talking about NBA players make a shit ton of money in their career. And if we're moving towards you know, that being the path of retirement for a lot of these athletes to why aren't these companies owned by groups of players that each have small shares? Why don't, if you're Dwayne Wade and you play your whole life for the heat, why don't you retire with a 1% ownership stake? That'll be, it'll be similar to the Bonilla contract where the Mets have to pay Bobby Bonilla for like another 50 years or something like that. Love that so much. This is not a crazy thing to think of. Like for every five years you play with X team, you get 1% of the team. Yes. And that's it. That gives you more incentive to build a championship team and stay forever. And stay forever. Correct. Yeah. So so Kawhi Leonard, you know, sure, stay with the Spurs for that mm-hmm. matter. Because, like, the more time you put in, it's like any job. Mm-hmm. You know, your retirement gets better. You get a partial ownership in the company. Um, these are things that other workers get to experience. I don't see why athletes aren't really in that equation. You see these pictures of the ownership. I mean, it's, like, comical. Yeah, the the like villainous white suited you know Republicans that just come in and it's crazy, it's absolutely crazy. And then we haven't even talked about the real villain in this doc, who is Howard Schultz. Oh, you think Sh- this is not Schultz's fault? Howard Schultz, uh, Starbucks something CEO owner whatever. Howard Schultz was the useful idiot 
that paved the way for this. Whatever. That, but that's the thing. Whose responsibility is it to keep a team where they where they are? It, he, it, he kept them no. in Seattle. He did what he could for a minute. He shouldn't have maybe fucked around with Gary Payton. He and, shouldn't have ever owned an NBA franchise. It was a vanity thing. He didn't know what he was getting into. That's my point. Is I think like for a lot of these people, it's a vanity thing. I know, and my point is like, I, I that sucks too when somebody can just buy a team and not really know what they're doing. The Sacramento Kings, the guy that owns the Kings, mm. is a lunatic. And he was when he bought the team. <laughs> he, this is one of my favorite stories. He had this deep belief that a team could could take over the league by having um, the five players form a wall by like holding hands essentially and like blocking the offense. He had like these crazy stoner ideas that he was actually trying to like get the coaching staff to try. But that's just fun. No, it's not because the Kings were once competitive and now under his ownership they're 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 awful. And like that sucks if you're a fan too. It's like I had nothing to do with this lunatic coming in and just buying this team and kind of running it into the ground. With oh, crazy sure. Ideas. I'm not saying that the, the, Schultz is a good guy, but when it comes to villains in this, he's clearly number three at best. Yeah, that's true. I was I was being hyperbolic. No, but... he, the real villains are the Oklahoma City dudes, then yes. Stern. I mean, Bennett is a pretty classic villain. These are horrible people. Physically. Stern really does. I mean... He's ruthless, man, and and I know this was a propaganda film, so you but know. With, but to be, but most films are. Yep, we've covered this, especially when it comes to documentary. Yeah, like this sports. And that's okay. Yeah. That's fine. Like yeah. Roger and Me is still a documentary. It's my. It's probably my favorite documentary. That is completely biased. That's okay. Yeah. It it was it was sad, man. I mean, it's it's. <laughs> 41 teams, 41 years is a long time for a professional sports franchise to oh, yeah. to uh, make its mark on the human psyche mm-hmm. in, a, in a geographic location. And like that poet kind of starts hinting at it. And like, I know this is something you and I both relate to this sort of familial bonds that are oh, formed sure. over sports. And I, I felt bad because there's again, to use his rhetoric of the pitiful cries to the disinterested guy, like no one in the court cares about that. Nor should they, nor should should they, they. nor should they, but it, it just sucks. No, no one brought up the fact that like, all right, how many workers work at the key arena, right? Let's just do that. It's never brought up. I was wondering about as well. These are concrete things. I used to work a ton of White Sox baseball games. And even if there was only like 10,000 people there, how many people were working those games? That put a lot of food on a lot of plates. Like that alone is worth doing. Now, how much is this ring going to cost the fans? How much could we get back from this? These are very tangible, numerical-based things we could be doing. But no one's talking about that stuff. It's either these guys want to bring a team and they're bad or we want to keep the team and that's a good thing and here's why. There's never just, this is the blatant finances of it for the long term. And I think that's where you get the short-sighted Stern thing. Yes, it's good to have this arena where you can get this giant market for blah, 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 blah. But how many viewers are we going to lose from this market? That's important too. Mm -hmm. And don't they revenue share for jerseys and stuff like that? They do, but I think... It's not a big enough 
piece of the cake that okay. matters really. Okay, that's fair. And I, it's super easy to say like, well, the Thunder were a huge success story. Three of the most popular, important players the last 15 years came through the Thunder. Sure, I get that. They would have also come through the Sonics though. Here's one of the great ironies. You have at one point in time, a young James Harden, Russell Westbrook, and Kevin Durant all on the same team. And ownership didn't pony up to pay yep. them all. There you go. And I mean, like, there's your poetry. So what are we really doing here in the end? Um, and it's crazy to me that they're they're we've gone this long without an NBA franchise in Seattle. Um, it's very strange. It seems imminent. Oh, for sure. It's it's felt imminent since the day they left. That's what I was going to say. It, it's felt imminent. And then the the other weird wrinkle in this is, so the um, they reach a settlement that you know the the city is suing the ownership group um, to live out the last two years of the lease. And in this settlement, so we never get the court decision. The city agrees to give the Oklahoma City ownership the history of the Sonics, yeah. the championship banners, the trophies, the name. That seemed crazy to me. And you would think that in good faith, should a team come back to Seattle, will they call them the Seattle Sonics? Will we get the same branding? That would be the no-brainer to me. Would the Oklahoma City ownership say, of course, here's your history? How does that work? I don't think it matters. You don't think it matters? I don't think it matters because if we're doing the revenue share, if we're doing the revenue share with jerseys, it doesn't matter. Mm Mm-hmm. And I understand that that's why there's no Seattle team. People don't want to cut that pie another two ways or another one way. I get it. But I think it's super easy right now to also show how you could increase that pie way more than the percent you're going to lose as an owner. Mm -hmm. Um, And I also don't think shared history matters whatsoever when it comes to basketball. Everyone knows. I, I disagree, man. If I'm if I'm a if I'm a Knicks fan and there's, you know, I can't have Ewing's jersey in the rafters anymore. Oh, that doesn't matter. That does because they could still do both. Who says you can't put up Gary Payton's jersey in both arenas? Okay, just do both. Who cares? That's such a small thing. Yeah, you're right. That's that's the that's the emotional fan in me speaking. But you're right. And I'm thinking about like almost everything right now. Throwback, anyways, is through Mitchell and Ness. Like it's not even through the team. It's through right. The, this is like weird yeah. thing out of Philadelphia. So that's like a fun whatever. But people always know like the Bulls defeated the 96 Sonics, not the 96 Oklahoma City Thunder. Yes. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yes. It doesn't yes. matter. It doesn't. Seattle, man, what a what an interesting place for this all to have happened. Yeah. Um especially considering what's been going on now in that city. Mm-hmm. It was, it was, yeah, it was cool to watch this and just think about how unique a place that is. I love it. I love Portland. I wish Portland had a hockey team and a baseball team and a football team. Um, I'm glad that no one's ever talked about moving the Trailblazers to Seattle. No, same. Um, I do think it sucks that like we're missing out on these unique places like Key Arena. Uh, the unique stadiums for the like monoculture stadiums. I don't think the bubble's helping that in any way. <laughs> no, sir. But th- we might return to that. I think a mixed use space that could serve multiple functions, especially post COVID, will be more important than the super shiny uh, mall type arenas. 
Right. The um, the Brooklyn Stadium being a really good example yeah. of one of those. I mean, I mean, here even in D.C., it's like the Caps play there and the Wizards play there, but also like they're full of concerts and the circus used to come through and the circus existed. And it's mm-hmm. like it's literally attached to like a mini mall where there's a movie theater and stuff like that in a downtown area that makes sense to me where like the Oklahoma city thing are moving them out to the suburbs 20 miles away. It's just crazy. And this is why I keep thinking back of like, where are your values as an owner? You don't get urban life. You don't understand where basketball lives. Why do you want to own this team? Right. Right. Well, I think the, we have a really interesting next few years with all professional sports, but to keep it at the NBA, um, revenue will obviously be affected. Oh yeah. And there's a big shakeup that will happen. Um, maybe that means we lose. I don't know what will come of it. Maybe we will lose the Grizzlies maybe, you know, but certainly the NBA won't look the same on the other side of this. No, for sure. And the thing that, was supposed to like make it even more money was China. Right. And how do you go from the most progressive league to being okay with China right now? Is the NBA bubble financially going to burst? Because that was alluded to in this film as well, that Stern had kind of been propping up all these values and and unsustainably unsustainable growth and the nba was experiencing huge growth over the past few years china like you just said being one of the main driving factors um is that bubble going to burst for all the reasons you just said and then if so like what what happens from there it'll be interesting every owner every current owner should have to sell unless they played in the nba specifically the 92 dream team or any final series in the last decade if you've if you've defended Michael Jordan, then you if you've played against it. Michael Jordan, or your or your Michael Jordan, or you've played in the finals in the last ten years, you're not legally allowed to own an NBA team. Gary Payton should own the Seattle franchise. Exactly. So yeah. Gary Payton owns Seattle. LeBron owns every franchise he's played for. That's uh, right. Shaq owns just the Magic because let's make it fun. Steve Nash owns the Suns. Dennis Rodman owns the Pistons. Nope. Dennis Rodman owns nothing. Dennis Rodman owes people money. Um, <laughs> Rashid Wallace owns the Pistons. Oh, no. He owns the Blazers. Fine. No, yeah. Damian Lillard owns the Blazers. You could still be playing. Oh, right. You could still be playing. Yeah. That's fair. Okay. Like, so then I'm, uh, yeah. Pat, Pat Ewing gets our, gets our Knicks. That's fine. Yep. Right? That's great. I guess we're giving the the nets to Jason Kidd. Yikes. That might be more the only problematic switch in ownership. That weird Russian yep. dude or Jason yep. Kidd. <laughs> well, the Russian's been gone for a while, but yeah. <laughs> All right, let's end there. Okay. 